3. Refectly straight-haired primitive Malayan people exists in the archipelago. Funit is a curly-haired Bontoc man of about 45 years of age. Many people told me that his father and also his grandfather were members of the Pueblo and had curly hair. I have never been able to find any hint at foreign or Negrito blood in any of the several curly-haired people in the Bontoc culture area whose ancestors I have tried to discover. The scanty growth of hair on the face of the Bontoc man is pulled out. A small pedal and the thumbnail or the blade of the battle axe and the bulb of the thumb are frequently used as forceps. They never cut the hair of the face. It is common to see men of all ages with a very sparse growth of hair on the upper lip or chin. And one of 50 years in Bontoc has a fairly heavy 4-inch growth of gray hair on his chin and throat. He is shown in place XII. Their bodies are quite free from hair. There is none on the breast. And seldom any on the legs. The pelvic growth is always pulled out by the unmarried. The growth in the armpits is scant, but is not removed. The iris of the eye is brown often rimmed with a lighter or darker ring. The brown of the iris ranges from nearly black to a soft hazel brown. The cornea is frequently blotched with red or yellow. The Malayan fold of the upper eyelid is seen in a large majority of the men. The fold being so low that it hangs over and hides the roots of the lashes. The lashes appear to grow from behind the lid rather than from its rim. The teeth are large and strong, and, whereas in old age they frequently become few and discolored, during prime they are often white and clean. The people never artificially stain the teeth, and, though surrounded by beetle nut chewers with dark teeth or red stained lips, they do not use the beetle, since the idro keeps no record of years. It is impossible to know his age but it is believed that sufficient comparative data have been collected in Bontoc to make the following estimates reliable, at the age of 20 a man seems hardly to have reached his physical best, this he attains, however, before he is 25, by 35 he begins to show the marks of age, by 45 most of the men are fast getting old, their faces are seamed, their muscles losing form, their carriage less erect, and the step slower, by 55 all or old most are bent and thin, Probably not over one or two in a hundred mature men live to be seventy years old. The following census taken from a Spanish manuscript found in Quayongan, and written in 1894, may be taken as representative of an average Idril Pueblo, census of Magulang, district of Quayongan years females males 0 to 111 1.335-1.367 From this census it seems that the Magulangidro man is at his prime between the ages of 30 and 40 years, and that the death rate for men between the ages of 40 and 50 is nearly as great as the death rate among children between 5 to 10 years of age, being 52.7%. Beyond the age of 50 collapse is sudden, since all the men more than 50 years old are less than half the number of those between the ages of 40 and 50 years. Women the women average 4 feet 9 3 8 inches in height. In appearance they are short and stocky. 29 women from Bontoc and vicinity were measured, the tallest was 5 feet 4 3 4 inches, and the shortest 4 feet 4 3 4 inches. The following table presents the average measurements of 29 women, 
Average measurements of Bontoc women measurements centimeters stature 145.800 spread of arms 149.603 head length 18.593 head breadth 14.706 cephalic index percent 79.094 nasal length 4.582 nasal breadth 3.608 nasal index percent 78.744 these measurements show that the composite woman the average of the measurements of 29 women is mesatocephalic. The extremes of cephalic index are 87.64 and 64.89, both are measurements of women about 35 years of age. Of the 29 women 12 are brachycephalic, 12 are mesatocephalic, and 5 are dolichocephalic. The Bontoc woman has a medium, or mesarheb, nose, as is shown by the above figures. Four of the 29 women have the narrow left or heme nose with nasal index below 70, seven have platter heme or the broad nose with index greater than 85, while 17 have the medium or mesorheme nose with nasal index between 70 and 85. The broadest nose has an index of 97.56, and the narrowest an index of 58.53. The women reach the age of maturity while prepared for its responsibilities. They have more adipose tissue than the men yet are never fat. The head is carried erect, but with a certain stiffness often due, in part, no doubt, to shyness, and in part to the fact that they carry all their burdens on their heads. I believe the neck more often appears short than does the neck of the man. The shoulders are broad, and flat across the back. The breasts are large, full, and well supported. The hips are broad and well set, and the waist there is no natural waistline is frequently no smaller than the hips though smaller than the shoulders, their arms are smooth and strong, and they throw stones as men do, with the full arm throw from the shoulder, their hands are short and strong, their legs are almost invariably straight, but are probably more frequently bowed at the knees than are the men's, the thighs are sturdy and strong, and the calves not infrequently over large, this enlargement runs low down, so the ankles, never slender, very often appear coarse and large, in consequence of this heavy lower leg, the feet, short at best, usually look much too short. They are placed on the ground straight ahead, though the tendency to interim feet is slightly more noticeable than it is among the men. Their carriage is a healthful one, though it is not always graceful, since their long strides commonly give the prominent buttocks a jerky movement. They prove the naturalness of that style of walking which, in profile, shows the chest thrust forward and the buttocks backward. The abdomen is in and the shoulders do not swing as the strides are made. It cannot be said that at base the color of the women's skin differs from that of the men. But the saffron undertone is more commonly seen than it is in the unclothed men. It shows on the shaded parts of the body, and where the skin is distended, as on the breast and about certain features of the face. The hair of the head is like that of the man's, it is worn long, and is twisted and wound about the head. It has a tendency to fall out as age comes on but does not seem thin on the head. The tendency to gray hairs is apparently somewhat less than it is with the men. The remainder of the body is exceptionally free from hair. The growth in the armpits and the pelvic hair are always pulled out by the unmarried, and a large percent of the women do not allow it to grow even in old age. Their eyes are brown, varied as are those of the men, and with the Malayan fold of the upper eyelid, their teeth are generally whiter and cleaner than are those of their male companions, a condition due largely probably, to the fact that few of the women smoke, they seem to reach maturity at about 17 or 18 years of age, the first child is commonly born between the ages of 16 and 22, 
At 23 the woman has certainly reached her prime. By 30 she is getting old, before 45 the women are old, with flat, pendant folds of skin where the breasts were. The entire front of the body in prime full, rounded, and smooth has become flabby, wrinkled, and folded. It is only a short time before collapse of the tissue takes place in all parts of the body. An old woman, say, at 50, is a mass of wrinkles from foot to forehead. The arms and legs lose their plumpness. The skin is bagged at the knees into half a dozen large folds, and the disappearance of adipose tissue from the trunk front, sides, and back has left the skin not only wrinkled but loose and flabby, folding over the girdle at the waist. The census of Magulang, page 42, should be again referred to, from which it appears that the death rate among women is greater between the ages of 40 and 50 years than it is with men, being 55.66%. The census shows also that there are relatively a larger number of old women that island over 50 years old than there are old men. Child the death rate among children is large. Of 15 families in Bantuk, each having had three or more children, the death rate up to the age of puberty was over 60%. According to the Magulam census the death rate of children from 5 to 10 years of age is 63.73%. The newborn babe is as light in color as the average American babe and is much less red, instead of which color there is the slightest tint of saffron. As the babe lies naked on its mother's naked breast the light color is most strikingly apparent by contrast. The darker color, the brown, gradually comes. However, as the babe is exposed to the sun and wind, until the child of a year or two carried on its mother's back is practically one with the mother in color. Some of the babes, perhaps all, are born with an abundance of dark hair on the head. A child's hair is never cut, except that from about the age of three years the boy's hair is banged across the forehead. Fully 30% of children up to five or six years of age have brown hair due largely to fading, as the outer is much lighter than the under hair. In rare cases the lighter brown hair assumes a distinctly red cast, though a faded lifeless red, before puberty is reached. However, all children have glossy black hair. The iris of a newborn babe is sometimes a blue-brown. It is decidedly a different brown from that of the adult or of the child of five years. Most children have the Malayan fold of the eyelid. The lower lid is often much straighter than it is on the average American. One, in addition to these conditions, the outer corner of the eye is higher than the inner. The eye is somewhat Mongolian in appearance. About one-fifth of the children in Bantak have this Mongolian-like eye. Though it is rarer among adults a fact due, in part, apparently, to the down curving and sagging of the lower lid as one's prime is reached and passed. Children's teeth are clean and white, and very generally remain so until maturity. The child from one to three years of age is plump and chubby, his front is full and rounded, but lacks the extra abdominal development so common with the children of the lowlands, and which has received from the American the popular name of banana belly. By the age of seven the child has lost its plump, rounded form which is never again had by the boys but is attained by the girls again early in puberty. During these last half-dozen years of childhood all children are slender and agile and wonderfully attractive in their naturalness. Both girls and boys reach puberty at a later time than would be expected, though data cannot be gathered to determine accurately the age at puberty. All the Ilocano in Bantoc Pueblo consistently maintain that girls do not reach puberty until at least 16 and 17 years of age. Perhaps it is arrived at by 14 or 15, 
but I feel certain it is not as early as 12 or 13 a condition one might expect to find among people in the tropics. Pathology The most serious permanent physical affliction the Bontakidro suffers is blindness. Fully 2% of the people both of Bontak and her sister Pueblo, Samoki, are blind, probably 2% more are partially so. Bontak has one blind boy only 3 years old, but I know of no other blind children, and it is claimed that no babes are born blind. There is one woman in Bontak approaching 20 years of age who is nearly blind, and whose mother and older sister are blind. Blindness is very common among the old people, and seems to come on with the general breaking down of the body. A few of the people say their blindness is due to the smoke in their dwellings. This doubtless has much to do with the infirmity, as their private and public buildings are very smoky much of the time, and when the nights are at all chilly a fire is built in their closed, low, and chimneyless sleeping rooms. There are many persons with inflamed and granulated eyelids whose vision is little or not at all impaired a foreigner of blindness probably often caused by smoke. 20% of the adults have abnormal feet. The most common and most striking abnormality is that known as falling. It is an interning of the great toe. Falling occurs in all stages from the slightest spreading to that approximating 45 degrees. It is found widely scattered among the barefoot mountain tribes of northern Luzon. The people say it is due to mountain climbing, and their explanation is probably correct, as the great toe is used much as is a claw in securing a footing on the slippery, steep trails during the rainy reason. Falling occurs quite as commonly with women as with men, and in Ambuklao, Bangwit Province, I saw a boy of eight or nine years whose great toes were to spread half as much as those shown in place XXV. This deformity occurs on one or both feet, but generally on both if at all. An enlargement of the basal joint of the great toe, probably a bunion, is also comparatively common. It is not improbable that it is often caused by stone bruises. As such are of frequent occurrence, they are sometimes very serious. Laying a person up ten days at a time. The feet of adults who work in the water-filled rice paddies are dry, seamed, and cracked on the bottoms. These rice paddy feet, called fungus are often so sore that the person cannot go on the trails for any considerable distance. I believe not 5% of the people are without eruptions of the skin. It is practically impossible to find an adult whose body is not marked with shiny patches showing where large eruptions have been. Babes of 1 or 2 months do not appear to have skin diseases, but those of 3 and 4 are sometimes half covered with itching, discharging eruptions. Babes under a year old, such as are most carried on their mother's backs are especially subject to a mass of sores about the ankles, the skin disease is itch, called coolid. I have seen babes of this age with sores an inch across and nearly an inch deep in their backs. Relatively there are few large sores on the people such as boils and ulcers, but a person may have a dozen or half a hundred itching eruptions the size of a half pea scattered over his arms, legs, and trunk. From these he habitually squeezes the pus onto his thumbnail and at once ignorantly cleans the nail on some other part of the body. The general prevalence of this itch is largely due to the gregarious life of the people to the fact that the males lounge in public quarters, and all, except married men and women, sleep in these same quarters where the naked skin readily takes up virus left on the stone seats and sleeping boards by an infected companion. In Benai, in the Kwayangan culture area, a district having no public buildings, one can scarcely find a trace of skin eruption. There are two adult people in Samoki Pueblo who are insane, one of them at least is supposed to be affected by Lumawig, the Idro God, and is said, 
when he halloos, as he does at times, to be calling to Lumawig. Bontoc Pueblo has a young woman and a girl of five or six years of age who are imbecile. Those four people are practically incapacitated from earning a living, and are cared for by their immediate relatives. There are two adult deaf and dumb men in Bontoc Pueblo, but both are industrious and self-supporting. Idril badly injured in war or elsewhere are usually killed at their own request. In May, 1903, a man from Maligkong was thrown to the earth and rendered unconscious by a heavy timber he and several companions brought to Bontoc for the school building. His companions immediately told Captain Eckman to shoot him as he was no good. I cannot say whether it is customary for the Idro to weed out those who faint temporarily as the fact just cited suggests, however, they do not kill the feeble aged, and the presence of the insane and the imbecile shows that weak members of the group are not always destroyed voluntarily. Part 3 General Social Life The Pueblo Bontoc and Samoki Pueblos In all essentials typical of Pueblos in the Bontoc area, lie in the mountains in a roughly circular pocket called Papagon. A perfect circle about a mile in diameter might be described within the pocket. It is bisected fairly accurately by the Chico River, coursing from the southwest to the northeast. Its altitude ranges from about 2.750 feet at the river to 2.900 at the upper edge of Bontoc Pueblo, which is close to the base of the mountain ridge at the west, while Samoki is backed up against the opposite ridge to the southeast. The river flows between the Pueblos, though considerably closer to Samoki than to Bontoc. The horizon circumscribing this pocket is cut at the northeast, where the river makes its exit, and lifting above this gap are two ranges of mountains beyond. At the south-southeast there is another cut, through which a small affluent pours into the main stream. At the southwest the river enters the pocket, although no cut shows in the horizon, as the stream bends abruptly and the farther a range of mountains folds close upon the near one. Bontoc lies compactly built on a sloping piece of ground, roughly about half a mile square, through the Pueblo or two water-cut ravines, down which pour the waters of the mountain ridge in the rainy season, and in which during much of the remainder of the year, sufficient water trickles to supply several nearby dwellings. Adjoining the Pueblo on the north and west are two small groves where a religious ceremonial is observed each month. Granaries for rice are scattered all about the outer fringe of dwellings, and in places they follow the ravines in among the buildings of the Pueblo. The old, broad Spanish trail runs close to the Pueblo on the south and east, as it passes in and out of the pocket through the gaps cut by the river. About the Pueblo at the east and northeast are some 15 houses built in Spanish time, most of them now occupied by Ilocano men with Idra or half-breed wives. There also were the Spanish government buildings, reduced to a church, a convent, and another building used now as headquarters for the government constabulary. The Pueblo, now 2.000 or 2.500 people, was probably at one time larger. There is a tradition common in both Bontoc and Samoki that in former years the ancestors of this latter Pueblo lived northeast of Bontoc toward the northern corner of the pocket. They say they moved to the opposite side of the river because there they would have more room. There they have grown to 1.200 or 1.500 souls. Still later, but yet before the Spanish came, a large section of people from northeastern Bontoc moved bodily to Lias, about two days to the east. They tell that a Bontoc woman named Fanka was the wife of Elias Man, and when a drought and famine visited Bontoc the section of the Pueblo from which she came moved as a whole to Elias, then a small collection of people, still later, Laniwa, 
a detached section of Bontoc on the lowland near the river, was suddenly wiped out by a disease. Bidigrew is given to naming even small areas of the earth within his well-known habitat, and there are four areas in Bontoc Pueblo having distinct names. These names in no way refer to political or social divisions they are not the barrio of the coast pueblos of the islands, neither are they in any way like a ward in an American city, nor are they additions to an original part of the pueblo they are names of geographic areas over which the pueblo was built or has spread, from south to north these areas are Afu, Magdiodeowi, and Umfeg, Autobantoc is composed of 17 political divisions, called A2. The geographic area of Afu contains four A2, namely, Fatayan, Pulapo, Mkawa, and Bushels Yayung, Magdio contains three, namely, Ifilag, Magdio and Chakong, Daowi has six, namely, Loawingan, Ugpugchug, Isipaet, Isigiachan, Soano one, and Longfoy, Umfeg has four, Pokisan, Lutetium Wagon, Bungan, and Chokeo. Each A2 is a separate political division. It has its public buildings, has a separate governing council which makes peace, challenges to war, and accepts or rejects war challenges, and it formally releases and adopts men who change residence from one A2 to another. Border A2 Fatayan seems to be developing an offspring a new A2, a part of it. The southwestern border part, is now known as Tangiao. It is disclaimed as a separate A2, yet it has a distinctive name and possesses some of the marks of an independent A2. In due time it will doubtless become such. In Sagadot, Agawa, Takong, and nearby Pueblos the A2 is said to be known as Dapai, and in Paluli and Alot both names are known. The Pueblo must be studied entirely through the A2. It is only an aggregate of which the various A2 are the units, and all the Pueblo life there is is due to the similarity of interests of the several A2. Bontoc does not know when her Pueblo was built she was always where she now is but they say that some of the A2 are newer than others. In fact, they divide them into the old and new. The newer ones are Bushels Yayung, MKWA, Polapo, Chakong, and Polkisan. All these are border A2 of the Pueblo. The generations of descendants of men who did distinct things are kept carefully in memory and from the list of descendants of the builders of some of the newer A2 it seems probable that Chakong was the last one built. One of the builders was Salutitium Yud, he had a son named Tambul, and Tambul was the father of a man in Bantok now some 25 years old. It is probable that Chakong was built about 1830 in the neighborhood of 75 years ago. The plan of the Pueblo seems to strengthen the impression that Chakong is the newest A2 since it appears to have been built in territory previously used for rice granaries, it is all but surrounded by such ground now. One of the builders of Bushels Yayung, an A2 adjoining Chakong, and also one of the newer ones, was Baloch. Baloch was the great-great-great-grandfather of Madhu, who is a middle-aged man now in Bantak. The generations of fathers descending from Baloch to Madhu are the following, Bangiji, Kagayu, Pinti, and Ajikas. It seems from this evidence that the A2 bushels Yayung was built about 150 years ago. These facts suggest a much greater age for the older A2 of the Pueblo. An A2 has three classes of buildings occupied by the people the Fadi and Fabathunan, public structures for boys and men, and the Oleg for girls and young women before their permanent marriage, and the dwellings occupied by families and by widows, which are called a fong, 
Each of these three classes of buildings plays a distinct role in the life of the people. Pabathunan and Thali the Pabafunan is the home of the various Atu ceremonials. It is sacred to the men of the Atu, and on no occasion do the women or girls enter it. All boys from three or four years of age and all men who have no wives sleep nightly in the Pabafunan or in the Thawi. The Pabafunan building consists of a low, squat, Stone-sided structure partly covered with a grass roof laid on a crude frame of poles. The stone walls extend beyond the roof at one end and form an open court. The roof part is about 8 by 10 feet, and usually is not over 5 feet high in any part. Inside measure, the size of the court is approximately the same as that of the roof section. In some Pabafunan a part of the court is roofed over for shelter in case of rain, but is not walled in. Under this roof skulls of dogs and hogs are generally found tucked away. Carabao horns and chicken feathers are also commonly seen in such places. In many cases the open court is shaded by a tree. Posts are found reared above most of the courts. Some are old and blackened, others are all but gone a short stump being all that projects above the earth. The tops of some posts are rudely carved to represent a human head, on the tops of others, as in Atulowengon and Seapot. There are stones which strikingly resemble human skulls. It is to the tops of these posts that the enemy's head is attached when a victorious warrior returns to his Atu. Both the roofed and court sections are paved with stone, and large stones are also arranged around the sides of the court. Some more or less elevated as seats, they are worn smooth and shiny by generations of use. In the center of the court is the smoldering remains of a fire. The only opening into the covered part is a small doorway connecting it with the court. This door is barely large enough to permit a man to squeeze in sidewise, it is often not over to 1 2 feet high and 10 inches wide. The occupants of the Pabafunan usually sleep curled up naked on the smooth, flat stones. A few people have run of slab mats, some of which roll up, while others are inflexible, and they lie on these over the stone pavement. Fires are built in all sleeping rooms when it is cold, and the rooms all close tightly with a door. In the court of the building the men lounge when not at work in the fields, they sleep, or smoke and chat, ten babies, or make utensils and weapons. The Pabafunan is the man's club by day, and the unmarried man's dormitory by night, and, as such, it is the social center for all men of the Atu, and it harbors at night all men visiting from other pueblos. Each Atu, except Shekong, has a Pabafunan. When the men of Shekong were building theirs they met the Pueblo of Sandanga in combat, and one of the builders lost his head to Sandanga. Then the old men of Shekong counseled together, they came to the conclusion that it was bad for the Atu to have a Pabafunan, and none has ever been built. This absence of the Pabafunan in some way detracts from the importance of the Atu in the minds of the people. For instance, in the early stages of this study I was told several times that there are 16 and not 17 Atu in Bantak. The first list of Atu written did not include Shekong, it was discovered only when the Puebla was platted, and at that time my informant sought to pass it over by saying it is Shekong, but it has no Pabafunan. The explanation of the obscurity of Shekong in the minds of the Idro seems to be that the Atu ceremonial is more important than the Atu council that the emotional and not the mental is held uppermost, that the people of Bantak flow together through feeling better than they drive together through cold force or control. The Atu ceremonials of Shekong are held in the Pabafunan of neighboring Atu, as in Sajikin, Pugpajag, or Filig, and this seems partially to destroy the esprit de corps of the unfortunate Atu. 
Each A2 has a thought WI building a structure greatly resembling to the Pabafunan, and impossible to be distinguished from it by one looking at the structure from the outside. The thought WI and Pabafunan are shown in PLS, XXX, XXXI, and XXXII. Place XXIX shows a section of CPOT A2 with its thought WI and Pabafunan. The thought WI is the A2 council house, as such it is more frequented by the old men than by the younger. The thought WI also shelters the skulls of human heads taken by the A2. Outside the Pueblo, along certain trails, there are simple structures also called thought WI. Shelters where parties halt for feasts, etc. while on various ceremonial journeys. The thought WI and Pabafunan of each A2 are near together, and in five they are under the same roof. Though there is no doorway for intercommunication. What was said of the Pabafunan as a social center is equally true of the thought WI, each is the lounging place of men and boys, and the dormitory of unmarried males. In Samoki each of the eight A2 has only one public building, and that is known simply as A2. One is further convinced of an extensive early movement of the primitive Malayan from its pristine nest by the presence of institutions similar to the Pabafunan and Thought WI over a vast territory of the Asiatic mainland as well as the Asiatic islands and Oceania. That these widespread institutions sprang from the same source will be seen clearly in the quotations appearing in the footnote below. The visible exponent of the institutions is a building forbidden to women, the functions of which are several. It is a dormitory for men generally unmarried men a council house, a guard house, a guest house for men, a center for ceremonials of the group, and a resting place for the trophies of the chase and war a head house. Olag the Olag is the dormitory of the girls in an A2 from the age of about two years until they marry. It is a small stone and mud-walled structure, roofed with grass, in which a grown person can seldom stand erect. It has but a single opening a door some 30 inches high and 10 inches wide. Occupying nearly all the floor space are boards about 4 feet long and from 8 to 14 inches wide, each board is a girl's bed. They are placed close together, side by side, laid on a frame about a foot above the earth. One end, where the head rests, is slightly higher than the other, while in most old pole for a foot rest runs along the foot of the beds a few inches from them. The building as shown in place XXXII is typical of the 19 found in Bontoc Pueblo though it does not show what is almost invariably true, that it is built over one or more pig's ties. This condition is illustrated in place XXIX, where a widow's house is shown literally resting above the stone walls of several styes, and like the Thawi and Thabafunan, the Olag has no adjoining court, and no shady surroundings. It is built to house the occupants only at night. The Olag is not so distinctly an auto institution as the Thabafunan and Thawi. Ottawa can never head an Olag. The demand is not so urgent as that of some auto, since there are only 13 families in Inkan. The girls occupy Olag of neighboring auto, the Olag of Ruakan, of Loingon, and of Seapot. The last situated in Loingon are broken down and in use at present. There are no marriageable girls in any of these three auto now, and the small girls occupy nearby Olag. These three Olag will be rebuilt when the girls are large enough to cook food for the men who build. The Olag of Ankawa is in the Aoyang near the Olag of the latter, it is there by choice of the occupants. Majo, with her twenty families, also has two Olag, but both are situated in Pugpajug. The Olag is the only Idra building which has received a specific name. All others bear simply the class name. In Sagada and some nearby pueblos, 
as Chakong and Agawa. The Olag is said to be called Ifgan. Mr. S. H. Timon is quo.